grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our consideration this morning is our Gospel from Matthew chapter 10. Did it strike you at all, the way Jesus begins talking in this lesson? I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. I thought Jesus was supposed to be the good shepherd, the one who lays his life down for the sheep, and it was the hired hand who runs away at the first sign of danger. How can the good shepherd throw his own flock to the wolves? Two statements. Christian witness is extremely dangerous. Christian witness is totally safe. Which of these two statements are true? Both. Both are true. Let's begin with that first one. Christian witness is extremely dangerous. In our gospel for today, Jesus talks about all kinds of danger. In general, he describes it as sheep among wolves. And we know what wolves do to sheep. And he goes on with specifics. Flogging, arrests, escalating trouble with the authorities, betrayal and division within the family, persecution from city to city, and hatred by all people. It's not exactly the kind of thing you would put on a vacation brochure. Come and stay here. Everyone in the world will hate you. I'm sure that'll catch on. Jesus is telling us this to set expectations. Jesus is speaking out of love because he doesn't want us to be caught off guard. When he says, watch out, be on your guard, it's also not as if there's anything you can do to stop it from happening. Persecution is coming. That's the message. In the same way, as much as it might make us groan to say it, when we look outside, we know winter is coming. And if, let's say, one Sunday this winter, I were to warn you, watch out, there's ice in the parking lot, well, you should take that warning seriously. Even if the ice is only in one patch, or maybe it's the whole parking lot, Maybe it's just a little slick, or maybe it's a one-way trip to the ground. The same is true for persecution. There are different seasons in the Christian church, times when persecution intensifies and times when it dies down. For us today, it doesn't so much look like state-sanctioned and sponsored persecution that is systematically going after Christians. For us, it looks a little more like social stigma 
like being shamed in the public square. Like everything on social media being against Christ and his word and even the shows we watch portraying the same thing. It's much less physically dangerous, much less dangerous to our bodies, but it is just as dangerous, just as deadly for our souls. There were two Christians. Let's say a young man and a young woman. And they went to the same university. They took the same classes. They had the same group of friends who watched the same shows. It was really hard for the young man. Right away in the morning, that biology class with his professor just would not give up. He would make fun of him every day, call him out for his faith, and publicly shame him with a laundry list of reasons that Christianity was dumb. And he didn't know how to respond. Over time, it wore him down until he became convinced that some of the things he believed in were just dumb and outdated. And the battle didn't end there either. Then came the friend group. And the conversation would be all about bashing Christianity. That it's a religion of hateful people. Bigots who just don't get the modern times. And since he was raised in a home where they never talked about the faith, and so he never really paid attention in church. He doesn't have experience hearing people talk about the faith, much less him talking about it himself, whether it's the classroom or the dorm, he stays silent. And he starts to wonder, maybe they're right. And then he goes home for the day. And he unwinds by watching that show everyone's watching. And across the screen, he sees all kinds of violations against the sixth commandment. But so worn down now, he just keeps watching. And when the credits roll, he just thinks to himself, I wonder why my religion hates those nice gay people so much. After four years of that, he gives up believing in six-day creation. He gives up believing in hell. He gives up believing in God's will for marriage. And in fact, he renounces the church and never comes back. Things go a little differently for the other Christian. She has that same biology class with the same professor who says the same insulting things about the Christian faith. But she's able to respond. She was raised in a Christian home where they talked about the faith. And she went to a Christian church that prepared her for these conversations. So she's able to answer back. She doesn't have every answer 
She has not read every piece of scientific literature. Who has? But she's able to say, I know that what I believe is not dumb. That there are questions the theory of evolution has that only Christianity can answer. And she can mean it, too. And even though she is challenged, she comes out of that class stronger for standing on her faith. And then she comes to that same friend group with the same conversation. And it hurts when these people she thought were her friends attack and belittle her for her faith. But again, she was prepared, so she's able to answer, able to talk. And more than that, she has the discernment when to talk and when to walk away, to find Christian friends who will build her up in her faith instead of tearing her down. And at the end of a long, hard day, she puts on that same show everyone's talking about. And this time, when the sins against the Sixth Commandment offend her eyes, she turns it off. She finds something better to do, something that will build up her faith. The two Christians went into the same danger, faced the same problems, but their preparation was different. And that led to two very different results. When our Lord Jesus Christ warns us today, he warns us out of love. But the gospel will always face opposition there's never a way forward without conflict. But Jesus is with us. Jesus is not just some boss at a desk in the sky with his feet up barking out orders. Jesus has skin in the game, literal skin in the game as he took on our flesh. And he became one of us. And he came into this same world broken by sin. And he faced all the same evils that threatened to destroy the good. He was prepared. Prepared to face rejection and persecution and temptation. Prepared to face death itself. But make no mistake, it was a hard-fought war. Thirty-three years from the cradle to the cross. And it wasn't just a show. It wasn't just a walk in the park. We see that his own heart was hurt. We remember John chapter 6, where when so many people leave Jesus, he turns to the twelve and asks, Are you going to leave me too? Or when he comes into Jerusalem, when he sees the city at a distance, he weeps, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long 
I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers her young, but you were not willing. He knows how hard it is to face temptation when he goes out into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days. And after 40 days of no food, then he faces Satan's hardest temptations. And he goes to face death. Death on a cross. We know just how hard that decision was from the blood, sweat, and tears in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there is another way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will. Your will be done. And then he went to the cross. And then he won. By his death and resurrection from the grave, he has opened the gates of the kingdom of heaven to all of us who believe, guaranteeing that our sins are forgiven. His resurrection guarantees our resurrection. He gave the good confession in the midst of extreme danger, but he won everything. And that brings us to the second truth, that Christian witnessing is totally safe. It's only natural that today we think about Martin Luther, how he was kept safe when he gave his confession. Maybe your mind has jumped ahead of me already to his stand at Worms. Here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. Maybe you're thinking already about how the rest of the movie goes, Frederick the Wise keeps them safe, and the rest of it. But when I say Jesus kept him safe, I don't just mean the history, what we can see from hindsight. I mean the truths that we sing from Luther's pen. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. Take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom's ours forever. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he disarmed all the threats of sin, death, and the devil. He overcame the world so that there is no threat remaining. Whatever you could lose in this life, Jesus Christ can and will repay, will give back tenfold in the life to come. All that matters is what Jesus says about you, what Jesus says to you, so that if somebody should insult you and call you a hateful bigot or a whatever-phobe, 
our response should be, but I am baptized, as we sang in the hymn before. Because the word Jesus spoke to you at your baptism, this is my child. The word that was spoken at Jesus' baptism, this is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. In your baptism, that word became about you. So that whatever anyone says, that word is more true, more real, more powerful, and more enduring than anything they say about you. May God grant that that comes not just to our hearts in that moment, but from our lips. And today is a day we rejoice in the Reformation. We have these powerful readings. We sing these powerful hymns. Our banners are held high, and we're proud to be Lutherans. Rightfully so. But it needs to be asked, just how much do we trust? Do we act like all these threats have been disarmed? To put it another way, when was the last time you told someone about Jesus? Or when was the last time you talked about Jesus in your home with your family or with your friends? Or, or even here with your church family. If we are to be heirs of the Reformation, then when we hear the gospel, the prayer in our hearts must be that the words and works of our Savior Jesus Christ would remain in our hearts and on our lips. Because if they do not remain in here, and coming out of here, then the voice of Christ will grow silent. Silent in our homes. Silent in our nation. And perhaps finally, silent in our churches as it has for others. And when the voice of Christ becomes silent, there can only be a dreadful voice that replaces him. But thanks be to God, when we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And as the church, we are his body and he the head. He cannot deny us, and he has not left us. Jesus Christ is still with us. For 500 years he has not left, and he is still here in the Word of God. And when it comes to our conversations, the things we love to talk about, whether it's sports or the news or politics, or our hobbies, or whatever. Those things cannot save the people we love talking with. But the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ 
died for your sins, and He rose to guarantee your resurrection, that good news can save. And the sermon you are listening to right now is proof that Jesus Christ is not done with you, but that Jesus Christ is still with you. That wherever the word of Jesus is, souls are being saved. And it doesn't matter who is speaking the word of God, it is the word of God that saves. That when I speak it, that when you speak it, it is not us, but the Holy Spirit speaking through us. Jesus is still sending pastors and teachers. He is still using everyday Christians to witness to the world of the salvation he has won. And I know that it's hard because I face that same difficulty. But you have that moment that everything is perfect to share the gospel, but you just can't get the words out. Because maybe you're scared, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? Am I going to say it wrong? But Jesus Christ is still with you. And by my own admission, I'm something of an awkward introvert. You might wonder, why am I here? Why am I studying to be a pastor? Why am I preaching in front of all of you? It's because Jesus Christ has been faithful to me. He has never done me any wrong. From the moment I was baptized, he has been with me every step of the way. Even as I stumble my way forward, trying to learn how to love others and how to speak the words Jesus gave me to them. And when you stand and make your confession, Jesus Christ will keep you safe. And do you know that he controls everything? He's got the whole world in his hands. So when you speak the word of God, it's not up to you to control the result or to worry about it. Jesus Christ will make the right thing happen. He's got you. You're totally safe. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, did not shed his blood, rise from the dead, ascend into heaven, and rule over all things just to abandon you. He stands with you today, and he is still saving people with his word. Jesus promises that wherever this word is, people will be saved. And when Jesus Christ makes a promise, he keeps it. We see this paradox of danger and safety reconciled at the cross. Because at that moment, when Jesus dies, it seems like everything is lost. The disciples on the road to Emmaus lamented, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. 
But it's in that moment that Jesus won everything, including you, including your soul's salvation. So let's return where we began. The Good Shepherd does not throw his flock to the wolves. He goes with them into the danger. Don't take that danger lightly. But don't let it paralyze you either. You need Jesus to face that danger. And good news, Jesus is always with you. May God grant that the words we hear in this place remain in our hearts and on our lips, and that they go out in our homes, in our church, out in the world, that many more may call on his saving name. And in the name of Jesus, amen.